When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode one two zero. What's wrong with web development? I'm Mike. I'm Mike. Apparently, <clears throat> I'm Matt. Excuse me. Uh, uh, that's Mike. And this week we'll be discussing all that is wrong with web development. Then in the web news, the M1 Max. And I haven't, I haven't been informed about this, so Mike will be talking about it. And then some console talk, which is sort of my realm in that case. Now. If this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go and check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. And now it's time for our weekly pain points. So, Mike, please take it away. Actually, it's Matt now. I'm officially renaming oh, renaming it. myself Matt. So that's it. Take I'm, all, I'm all screwed up because we, we had, like, the most ridiculous conversation before this. And I was going to make it, I was going to make it the Patreon bit that we discussed. But it was so ridiculous that I want it to be a surprise if we do it. So I'm it not. It should be. I'm still creeped I, out about it. I'm not going to say it, anything else, but I'm I'm fully creeped out. It's questionable. I'm, I'm rattled. <laughs> I'm rattled for this entire episode now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Weekly pain point. Here we go. Uh, so Google Photos. Um, I don't know if everyone else got the message. I don't know if anyone else uses Google Photos. But essentially what is happening is, is going from unlimited original quality storage to only 15 gigs of photos. And videos. Uh, and this kind of puts a wrench in people's plans to store their photos because I think a lot of people, at least around me, were using Google Photos as like their backup for their photos so they didn't have to pay for any sort of cloud storage. Now, some clarification for for people right now. This doesn't mean that the photos that you currently have are all of a sudden just going to take up that 15 gig of space and you're going to be, you know, shit out of luck. It What it means is that Everything up until I believe there's a date sometime in 2021. It's going to happen a year from now. Sometime in 2021, uh, there's going to be a time when anything after that date is going to start counting towards your 15 gigabyte cap. So everything before that, anything that you have in Google Photos now and up till that point is still free, still unlimited, still in the storage. Uh, It's only after that date. Now, again, I'm not trying to be a Google apologist or anything like that um, because... It kind of sucks that we're losing this feature, but on the other hand, realistically, like it's just, it is storage and it does cost money and nowhere did they say that they were giving you unlimited storage for life. Um, so they would never do that to be fair. Like no company's going to be like, yeah, don't worry about it forever. Forever. Exactly. So like, I mean, what would, what did we expect? Uh, and because of that, I, always assumed that there was going to be this thing happening. So I was using it as my backup storage. But then I switched to um, Amazon Photos a while ago because they have, I think, a terabyte. Or I think, no, they have an unlimited storage of photos. Not uh, videos. Videos are limited. Not videos. You, well, you can pay, but. Exactly. Not videos, but photos up like in, in, in whatever quality. So all my original quality photos go on Amazon. I still use Google Photos as like a secondary backup. You got to be a Prime um, member to be fair, like to be clear to yes, the audience yeah. as well. Prime, Prime gives you a lot of benefits. 
by the way. Oh, like I, I, yeah, I'm, I literally save hundreds of dollars a year by using Prime. And no, they are yeah. not an episode sponsor. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Well, plus the shows, like the Prime video is really good. Prime, like the, the free music included with Prime is also okay. Like it's not great. It doesn't have everything. But if you're, you know, if you don't want to pay for Spotify and you already have Prime, you have something at least. So you have like your, you know, curated playlist, stuff like that. Um, so it's just... It, there's a lot there like there's a lot of little features that they add including this unlimited storage of photos original quality photos no video so for video storage that's going to be a tougher one for me i might have to do something where i either you know purchase something from prime since i'm already using that or i just use my OneDrive. uh we'll figure it out it's also going to depend on how much storage it's going to start taking up on google photos because from what google's saying Usually 15 gigs at original quality, so regular regular quality, not sorry, not original, but high quality photos, is usually enough for a regular person for about three years, which seems a little bit. Uh, no, that's right. Yeah, that, that that's what they said. That's what they said. But it seems like a, it seems like I would take up more. But the, their compression is very good, right? So their video compression is extremely good due to YouTube. Like you're, they're usually they're using the exact same algorithm. For YouTube, in fact, I believe the storage of the video is actually happening on YouTube servers as well. Same oh, with okay. the encoding and decoding. Yeah. So because of that, I feel like I'll be able to get away with the 15 gigs for a while. And then on the other side of it, I actually do pay for Google One. So this is kind of irrelevant for me. What? Like, so uh, wait a sec. So you're you're uploading for free to Google Photos just before you yes. jump into the Google One. It doesn't I'm, it doesn't eat into my Google One storage, but yeah, because you're uploading at the quote unquote high quality or whatever, which yes. is technically compressed to an extent, but it's still good. It's not original quality, but whatever. And yep. then you're paying for Google One, which is what. So that's the that's like the OneDrive storage upgrade. So that that'll you know anything that I put in the OneDrive, it'll store inside of Google Drive, which will be a certain amount of um, money for the Google One. And to clarify, I'm doing this because my wife and I both use Google Drive quite a bit. We use it a lot like between each other. Um, I use it for just storing my personal files as well. So it does it does add up. Like I recently had to even upgrade my plan. Like I had 100 gigs already. So now I'm going to 200 gigs. So that's, I think, 399 a month or something like that for 200 gigs. So, I mean, for me, again, I'm... I'm probably going to be okay, but I wanted to give a heads up for anyone out there that wasn't paying attention that Google Photos is going to be deprecating that unlimited storage. So you might need to think a little bit more about your storage needs, but not it's not a panic in my opinion. Again, that 15 gigs is going to give you enough storage for a while. So you have some time to figure out what you're going to do, either deleting photos or using a different service. So are you, I know you said you bought Google One, but are you swearing off free services like are you or sorry are you swearing off uh paid services so is is there a universe in which you say you know what i have so much in this google photos and you were actually using the google photos instead of your phone's local gallery app so you're like you know what i i use google photos so much that i am willing to pay specifically for google photos just to store my photos would you me for me yes so what what's i guess what's the limit so are you going to allot, let's just say in terms of budget, not in terms of them pricing it, would you say $20 a month, $30 a month, $5, $0.99 a month? Like what would you, what, where, where's your limit where you're like, you know, I'm going back to the old SD cards or something? Uh, okay. So my limit, I would say like if I start taking ridiculous amount of photos and videos, which is possible, um, is probably in the $10 a month range. 
if that makes sense. So if it's if it's going to be in that $10 a month, then I'm willing to pay for it to use Google Photos and continue using what I've already kind of know. Right now I'm paying only $3 a month for both my wife and I. Mm-hmm. So it's not so bad. Um, and we have 200 gigs of storage each. Or actually, no, sorry, it's shared storage, 200 gigs of shared storage. Um, so I think the next plan is $10 a month. They, they do a jump. So they do 100, 200, and then... For 10, you get a, a terabyte or something. Why is it Google One, though? Why isn't it Google Drive? Does Google One come with more There's stuff? No, I think there is some sort it, of other benefits. Do you have benefits. YouTube Premium? No, I don't. I wish I did. Because uh, they gave away the free Stadia packages with YouTube Premium. Do you have YouTube Premium? Yeah. For how long have you had it? Long time. So you can get the free Stadia. I'll, I'll send it to you after this. But just as an FYI, if anyone's had YouTube Premium since... Uh, before November sixth of this twenty twenty year. Oh yeah, definitely uh, there's had a pr- it since before then. There's Jesus. there's a promotion right now where uh, anyone that's had it before that will receive a free uh, Google Stadia Premium edition, which means they get the controller and I think like six months of premium or something like that. Oh, yeah. So Jesus, I'll, I'm I'll, getting I'll, a lot I'll, of tech I'll, in the last. Like, yeah, you're getting a lot of free stuff. <laughs> so I'll I'll send you the uh, the thing right after this podcast though. Well, I just like a lot of the like. Oh man, like like Apple has their new subscription. We got this thing going on. We got the Game Pass Ultimate. We got the new consoles. We finally we ordered my work phone. You got a new phone. Like this is getting yeah. crazy. Like what? So, like what the heck's going well, on here? One thing I would say is if I switch to an iPhone, which I didn't, uh, and I'll talk about that next week. But if I switch to an iPhone, I would have canceled my Google stuff and would have went with the Apple One subscription. So I'm not going to have two, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? You're not going to have, have, have two what? I'm not going to have a, both a Google subscription, like a Google One, and an Apple subscription. Oh, I'm not getting an app. I have an iP- yeah. iPad. I don't care. Yeah, I don't, I, but I'm just, I, yeah exactly. It doesn't bother me. I got, but I if Apple was my main phone, I would be getting the Apple One subscription. I'd be canceling the Google One. And I wouldn't use any Google apps that I don't need to you use. You would use iCloud? Like you would, yep. you would legitimately use iCloud? Yeah, I would legitimately use iCloud. Because I don't – if I was going with an iPhone, I would want to use the first-party shit. I'm not dealing – like I've heard such bad experiences. I know my uncle uh, – just not the side where we're going on a serious sidetrack here, but my uncle was using a iPhone and he was using a third party service for backing up his photos. Right, right. And he was he paid for it like very minimal amounts. Like he paid real like a, like three dollars for the app and that's it. And he's like, oh, that's perfect. Like oh, that's all I'll pay. And then he had a catastrophic failure, lost all of his photos, and he's like, okay, now I can back them like get get the backup back. And all of a sudden, he has to pay three hundred sixty dollars to get the backup of his photos because he didn't read the instructions and stuff like that. So oh, he lost uh, everything. Oh, some sort of, of some sort of backup app. Exactly. So he was using like a third-party backup app that was doing everything for him, but it didn't, didn't work. So again, the other option, again, you could use Google Photos with iPhone, but then you have to open the app every once in a while. And I'll definitely forget to open the app, lose the phone, and then lose all my photos. So it's like if I'm going to use... I'm going to use the first-party applications for the first-party platform because I just want everything to be seamless. It's not cost prohibitive. It's not like I'm paying $100 a month. This is like we're talking $30 a month for Apple TV, Google, Google, like Google Music, or sorry, Apple TV, Apple Music, and uh, iCloud storage. Now, would you actually transfer over to i to um? I always call it iPhone music. I don't know why that Apple music. Would I would, you actually... yeah, I would, I would cancel my Spotify. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so actually, I, I have a point about that. Not to talk, like, massive freaking sidetrack at this point. Yeah, massive sidetrack. <laughs> D- YouTube Premium comes at YouTube mm-hmm. Music. 
Yep. YouTube Premium is only like a dollar or two, maybe three, in Canada, more per month than Spotify. So if you are not, like, I know that there's a lot of benefit to going to, to Spotify. If you're a huge music aficionado, I've heard of people, I'm, and I'm not, but I've heard people say that they will never get rid of their Spotify no matter what because they love the curation and all that, you know, power to them. It's a music lover's paradise, apparently. But if you're a person that just likes to have some music on sometimes, YouTube music is totally serviceable. It is totally workable. It's actually not that bad. Because uh, when I bought the subscription, I downloaded you know both of the app. Well, I already had YouTube, but I downloaded the app obviously because I'm paying for it effectively. And it's only two or three dollars a month, and you only, and you don't get the ads on YouTube. And to me, the the five plus minutes every single time I'm watching a friggin' ads that are over and over and over again. And some of the ads are an hour. Yes, you can skip them, but some of the ads were an hour when I switched. That was when I was like, okay, like I'm just changing. And like to me, it just makes sense to not have the Spotify. And to just go to YouTube music. Now, I'm not, I don't really listen to music. I'm not like a, like, I don't care about curation and all the rest of it. But I do like having a music service connected to my smart speakers. So if someone wants to come in and just play music while they're hanging out or whatever, then they can in any room. And that's sort of like the benefit for me. And me basically paying, you know, I'm paying for YouTube premium and getting that extra benefit or vice versa, depending on if you're a music lover, is just a win win. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I do agree with that. Uh, pretty much wholeheartedly. The only reason that I haven't switched to YouTube Music at the time, like I w- I've been on Spotify for a little while. I did. I was on Google Play Music for a while before that. Right. As soon as they announced that they're going to some sort of different platform, I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm going back to Spotify. Uh, Spotify had a deal at the time, so I went to Spotify. Essentially, what I'm waiting for is go- Google Music to mature a little bit more, to get on parity with all of that. Uh, uh. Sorry, YouTube Music to get on parity with at least what Google Play Music had mm. at the time, which isn't there quite yet, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then I'll probably do that because I do like the YouTube Premium aspect of it, not having ads on your phone, not having ads on your computer, and stuff like that. So that's definitely something I'm going to do. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I do like Spotify. I like the curation. I like that I have a few friends on it that we can send each other playlists. That is kind of a pull factor for me. So that'll be something that I'll have to give up. Right, it, like that's sort, of, like yeah. I said, like that's sort of the music lovers thing, yeah. or like the music aficionado, whatever, or like just an enthusiast. If you're yeah. a person that's into music in any sense, in which a section of your day potentially goes to managing, listening, or sharing music, then Spotify is more than likely what you want. Yeah. Not that I can speak too highly of the YouTube music thing because I just rarely use it. Um, mm-hmm. but if you're a person that has Google Assistant in your home and you have a Chromecast. I often just throw things. I also have Google Nest Hubs. So I often just throw things from YouTube onto my Nest Hubs or I throw uh, YouTube onto my TV via the Chromecast via my voice. And if memory serves, and I don't know if it does, I think I had to always skip from the phone. Because sometimes I'll actually pull up my phone and press cast and it'll be like, oh, press skip ad on the phone. And half the time, like my phone's across the room charging or something. And it's just like, Christ, you know what I mean? So like, and then sometimes you get stuck with one of those friggin' one hour ads. So it's not like I'm just going to sit through it. And so I just mm-hmm. got to a point where it just didn't make sense. Like it was like I was like, okay, is my is my is my five or more probably minutes a day worth this fifteen dollars a month or wherever approximately it is? Yes. All right, that's it. Buying it. Yeah, it's over. Makes sense. Now now you get a free Stadia controller too, which is cool. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I didn't know that. I also got benefit, a Nest yeah. uh, Mini as well. Yes, you did. I have two spares now, just in case. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. 
All right. Uh, should we? Oh, actually, no. You still haven't done your weekly. Oh my point. god! You wanna, yeah, you we're, still uh, do it? Okay. we're going. We're going ham here. So we went on tangent. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, today was a really weird day, honestly. Yeah. Um, this this whole month we month whatever is 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 a bit is a bit all over the place. So my weekly pain point this week is organization. Um, not necessarily in the work. Well, I guess both actually, kind of life wide, I guess. So ripped out a whole bunch of old wiring from my entertainment unit. Most of it was unplugged, but just sort of like I just left it hanging there. So old, old, old consoles like the 360, like the old inhale version, uh, the old like big PS3, all that stuff all had the wiring still there, just unplugged, obviously, You're not going to waste a bunch of power with all these things just being plugged in. But just, you know, the wiring is starting to add up at this point, especially three three console generations in. So I've uh, started ripping all that out, ripped out the old Kinect with the little stand on top of the TV, that cleared out a bunch of stuff, started cable tying a bunch of stuff just for storage, because uh, uh, like Mike wanted to see my cable management actually, but... Uh, my cable management is literally like I literally have a wire that goes straight down and plugs in. <laughs> so like it's that's how managed like it's pretty well managed. It's just obviously at this point, it's starting to get to the point where there was just so many cables. So luckily, um, luckily, like, I've you know, I've been cleaning up and stuff like that. And also like to force myself to clean up because I'm not a person that is like very well, I'm organized, but like I'll be like, oh, I'll remember that this is on the floor in the corner type of thing. Like, I'm one of those people. Um there's a bunch of boxes here. Like, obviously, I, I bought a P- I bought an Xbox. I bought a PlayStation. So, like, there's a bunch of boxes around. And one of the one of the things is is that the the uh, the uh, like the boxes that I use to like pack up the old stuff. I like got those out of here and stuff like that. But there's like a lot of boxes of like old cables and all this and all that that I've been trying to you know decommission. And like I decommission it, throw it in a box, throw it over there, whatever. But like I'm I'm really bad for just like throwing the boxes in a corner and I actually want to like put them somewhere. So what I've done, and this is crazy, is I can't even turn my chair all the way around. I have completely boxed myself in, literally, in my office area. So that it is a challenge to leave the room. Like I'm tripping over boxes. And this is this is in order to force myself to deal with those boxes. So I've dealt with one of them, but I haven't dealt with the other like five. And slowly but surely, probably tomorrow, because I can feel the anger <laughs> building, whenever I leave the room, it's like, cr- like, why? You know, like, crap, I got to go through all this again. Um, but yes, yeah, so <laughs> that's how I'm tricking myself in organization. My wire management is like a lot better now. A lot of the stuff is gone, decommissioned. One more thing will be decommissioned once the PS4 is done backing up its capture gallery. And uh, that's that's basically it. I'm also going to dump that into into Google Photos, by the way, while it's unlimited. Dump all my PlayStation 4 stuff in there. So That's why they're making it not unlimited. That, that's exactly why they're making it not it makes unlimited. Makes perfect sense, yeah. But I will say, in terms of my photo storage solution, like going beyond my organization, actually, I should say, we got a, we, my work phone was ordered today. So um, I've mentioned this before that like I just... I want to be able to turn off the work notifications because like I don't, I'm not being paid to be on call or anything like that. And like, obviously it's the web. So anything can happen anytime. And I started getting like really bad anxiety. A lot of the times when I would like check my phone and it, what it resulted in was me either freaking out all the freaking time sometimes or some days, or I would be like, like checking my phone to like talk to my girlfriend and then end up having like a work notification completely derail me. Now I'm like worried all evening. And even though I'm not worrying, even though I'm not like going to do it because I'm not obligated to because it's late or something. It's just still like on the back of my mind, like, oh, why is that issue happening? Like, why, you know, so I want the separation, but I also want the derailing to leave. So sometimes uh, if I'm in there doing regular work stuff on my personal phone, um, which used to be work and personal phone, it like a personal thing would derail me. And then I'm now I'm derailed from doing work. 
And so, like, it derails both ways. And so now I'm going to be like, pick up iPhone, which is what I got. Pick up iPhone. Now doing work. And if I get derailed, I'm just getting derailed by more work. And then I know when I look at my phone, like my personal phone, that I'm I'm actually looking for a personal notification. And I'm not like scared to open the text message app because it's going to be some sort of work thing that's going to worry me. And that's like the big thing I want is I just need that separation. Like not that I'm going to like, you know, disown customers or anything like that. Like the phone's going to get tons of use and I'm going to manage all my social media on there too. So like I have personal social medias and then we also have like the hat social medias. I have my other podcasts, social medias, and it's just a matter of it being like, okay, I need to have these social medias. And like, I'm just getting, like, I've shown, I've shown like Mike a few times and I've shown other people where I literally like will drive from here to, uh, like here to like, I don't know, let's just say I drive for 30 minutes, wherever I'm going. It doesn't matter. The, the point is the time 30 minutes out. I literally check my phone and it is filled with notifications. Like this person, like this tweet, this person did this, 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 this. And like what ends up happening is I become becoming numb to notifications. Whereas like I'm looking at notification and I'm ignoring it. And then I'm literally missing important ones. So this is a part of the organization where I'm splitting it down the middle. That's it. Personal work. The only cumbersome thing is I have to carry two phones, but whatever, I'll just get a dork holster as I call them. Uh, sorry if you use a holster. I don't actually think you're a dork, but that's what I call them because <laughs> I've been called a dork several times for having a phone holster. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I'll be getting a dork holster as my, as I call them and uh, more than likely, and then I'll have that separation. So like on like Christmas day, that phone's being turned off. I don't care. Cause I don't want that. Like, cause like there'd be times where it's like, take a picture for us. You know, it's Christmas day. Family's around, take a picture. And I'm like scared to look at my phone. Cause it's like, Christ, like what if that project that I finished two days ago, which I th- think is kind of rickety. What if that's like crashed and I don't know how to fix it. And I got to like, worry about it all, all thing, whatever. So I just need, I need that separation. It's not going to like result in lesser customer service. It's going to probably result in better. And I'm probably going to get a lot more done. Cause I'm going to be able to go in and be like, Oh, a Twitter notification from work. Not from like my friend sending me something and I end up missing tons of those too. That's the issue here. So I need the separation. Phone's blowing up all the time. That's it, right? Um, so that that's that's that. So just organization across life at this point. Uh, just tons and tons of organization. I've been deleting old files even here and there. Like it just feels good to clean up, to just clean crap up, which is which is super nice. Just 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 getting it done, really, to be totally blunt. Um even removing them, like putting them in storage. Like I put a few things in storage. So like they've literally been removed from my immediate presence, which is even better. So, I mean, I'll probably do that with some of these boxes, putting things uh, away into like, um, like shred piles or whatever. So like they need to be destroyed. You know, they have like my shipping label on it or my names on it, but I don't need that piece of paper anymore. Like I've been doing a lot of that too. And just, just ripping through it. So this is the year of, of organization, apparently, just because I've been like trapped in here forever as well, uh, just due to the whole lockdown, of course. But um, I think that's enough about me and enough about the weekly pain points. We're like almost 30 minutes into the show. And we're still doing the weekly pain points, the shortest section of the show, apparently. Watch, watch this like main section be less than our weekly pain points like this. This just became like a talk show. I think it is. I, the, the the other thing is, is that this episode is going to be very ranty. I don't know if anyone noticed how ranty it is, but we're in a very ranty mood right now, Matt and I, and the topic of the episode is extremely ranty. So what's wrong with web development? Now, I'm going to ask you a uh, question, actually. Go ahead. If we were going to name this, this is weird again, off topic, but I don't care. If If we were going to name this episode based on it being a talk show on television, I might need you to change your name to Lawrence. Because then you can have the Lawrence and Lawrence show. That is ridiculous. 
why i don't why, know though? like why the lawrence and lawrence show i would understand if it was like the i'm matt and this is lawrence that's kind of interesting i guess i suppose we have matt and mike like that's pretty good yeah but yeah the m&m show for some reason i just envision and this might be super super like this might be super egotistical to be honest and like totally opposite <laughs> of who i am too which is really weird <laughs> i i i imagine a luxury brand called lawrence with like a big cursive l in gold do it up and that's the you know what I'm gonna. I, ch- fucking, I challenge I'm, I'm you to a, make a, a luxury Lawrence bland. What? I'll, I'll, uh, that will you'll sell a T-shirt for eight hundred dollars, black T-shirt, <laughs> and like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, for eight hundred dollars, <laughs> and the L will be a tiny little L, but it'll be going to be in actual gold. Twenty-four karat gold. Twenty-four yeah. karat L Lawrence, Lawrence, and then like a little Lawrence of Arabia thing in the background or something like that. I've never even seen that movie. I should probably watch it so I get the. So I get yeah, you get the get the get the luxury vibe. You gotta live the luxury lifestyle. You gotta turn up your uh, turn up your brightness on your phone. How, how I imagine one of those like clone commercials where they just don't make any sense. Where it's like somebody, but like what we'll do is we'll do it in my car, seventeen year old like. <laughs> so we'll just like drive. But we'll, we'll we'll do the sound effects in an actual good car, and then it'll zoom out. Like it'll slowly like it'll zoom into your like speedometer. <sighs> That would be the Which initial thing. Which is dusty thing. as hell. Yeah, du- like a little bit dusty, and people are like, "What's that's weird? It sounds like a Lambo." And <laughs> starts zooming out, and it's just like filthy car, rust, a <laughs> little bit of rust everywhere, <laughs> little, little little bit of dragon dragon stuff in the car, and then we'll zoom out to the very back, and it's just a good old Spider-Man seat covers are like yeah, ten sp- years old. <laughs> yeah, rip rip Spider-Man seat covers. Do you know how? fantastic this sounds i mean you've had some pretty good ideas today for for becoming viral that's one of them <laughs> and, and we just gotta end bottom. end it with lawrence yeah lawrence and, and then and then the link a link to buy the t-shirt for eight hundred dollars <laughs> and never show the t-shirt or mention it at all in the commercial it's like the- that's, that's what car commercials are car commercials are the best so it's like nothing to do with cars at the end of the day and then they show like a car driving away from the scene and the car com- like the car company comes on the screen fantastic yeah they always have like a bunch of talking like yeah you know when life's going the right way <laughs> yeah. when the snow falls and you realize <laughs> that you're able to overpower the slippery goodyear tires Partnered with the all new Honda Accord. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. good lord. God damn it. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. On that note, uh, what's wrong with web development? So this week's episode, we're gonna be a little bit ranty, a little bit negative, just just a pre-warning. I do wanna I do wanna follow up next week with what's right with web development. So stay tuned for that. But we wanna kinda go through what's kind of ticked us off. Like what what grinds our gears, what uh, what pisses us off on a daily basis. When we're doing this stuff. And I think like this, this is a perfect time to do it because we're both kind of in that place where we're a little bit pissed off. Um, a little, again, a little bit ranty. So uh, let's get started here. So going to go, going to go right from the top. So ever changing technologies. Um, that's always tough because when you're going into this industry and you're trying to find where to learn, what to learn, and you go and <laughs> look up web technologies and like the Wikipedia page is like 800 <laughs> lines long of different kinds of technologies that you could start from. And when you're even when you're in the in the biz, like when you're when you're doing it and you're, you know, 
you've picked your tech tech stack, you're getting good at it. Um, and all of a sudden you you talk to another person in the in the industry and they're speaking language that you don't even, even close to understand. Like you've been in the industry for 10 years. And then all of a sudden they're mentioning like Webpack bundlers, they're mentioning, uh, you know, Svelte, they're mentioning Sapper. They're like, oh, haven't you used the Svelte Sapper with the Node Express bundle? And then, you know, you got you got to you got to get some server side rendering on top of that. And then you got to sprinkle in some Tailwind. You know what I mean? Like you've been in the industry for 10 years and you might have not heard a single word of what I just said. That's a realistic thing in our industry. And and you know what? I'll actually I'll actually come into there, too. So I'm going to talk about continuous in integration or continuous whatever it is uh later ci or whatever but uh not to get not to spoil that if that's even considered a spoiler but like i remember i remember like so obviously i know what git github is i know how to host things and then i know how to like back up the hosting and then i realized the other day i was like if i'm building a web app and like i don't know let's just let's just make up a web app so it's a calculator app and people log in and it saves their history of their calculations that they've done. And then I was thinking, okay, well, you know, if I want to back that up and make sure it's backed up, what I would do normally, because I'm talking small scale, not like huge. So small scale, you know, it's probably on an Apache server on cPanel somewhere. So, you know, back up the home directory, back up the database, and then, then that's it. Then I was thinking, what if I update like the UI? Well, okay, updating the UI is easy enough. You just replace the files and whatever else ready for our lives. But then I was thinking, wait a second. What if I need to update something that changes the database? Like, do I got to pull this thing offline? Do I have to like, you know what I mean? And then like, I was talking to another developer and they're like, oh, we're using Git for this. We're using this. We're using that. And I was like, it's so strange to me that like, I understand. And for years I've understood these different components of it. Like I understand Git. I understand the, the server. I understand these commands. I know how to back things up. I understand bandwidth. I understand the performance for the most part and stuff like that. Right. Like I'm kind of a jack of all trades in that way, but it's strange to me that like up until recently, we have not had a project in which this has been a thing. And now we do, I'm not going to get into what it is, but like we now have a project in which I have to think, well, hang on a minute. Do I have to pull this offline? And it's, it's just strange to me. Like, it's a different way of thinking. Because in WordPress, you just sort of, like, re-upload the files really quick, depending on what it is. Or, like, you take it down for a couple of minutes and re-upload everything or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It's very, like, push and pull, I find, with WordPress, where I just sort of, like, pull this out, push this other thing in, you know, whatever. Um, and usually you do it so quick that, like, on the next refresh, the person's fine. But, like, this is a weird a weird thing and it's hard to google and there's like a hundred i would presume like a hundred ways to do it and so it's like a question of like okay like uh, another example would be when i was learning typo typo three um what ended up happening was i was learning that whatever and i was using vs code which again whatever but i was just using FTP, like I have in my VS code, I have an FTP thing that is like continuous integration or whatever. It literally like when I save it or I forget how I have it set up, but I, when I save it a certain amount of times or however it works, it just uploads the files for me, like just throws them up there. And then I was talking to another developer that we work with and they're like, you're FTPing it? And I was like, yeah, like it's, you know, it's continuous. Like it's not like I'm manually using it like FileZilla every time. Like, you know, it's, I'm pressing save and I'm uploading, you know, whatever, I'm uploading this thing. And then I'm, you know, I'm getting it. Like I'm doing the versions as I should. And he's like, oh, okay, type of thing. And not like, not in like a weird way, but it's sort of like, and then I was thinking like, wait, there's another way? Like I should be doing it a different way. But when I Googled it, this is the way I found. 
And it just goes to show you that there's so many ways to do something and you can miss a totally, which I presume is more modern because like this person did, like codes like a hell of a lot more than I do. <laughs> so like I would presume it's a more modern, more probably a better way to do it maybe. But it's just something that is like I, I have he had no idea that I was FTPing and I had no idea that he was doing whatever the hell he was doing. And I just thought that's how you did it. I was like, oh, this would be nice to have a little bot that does this for me, you know? And then, lo and behold, here we are where it's like, I don't even know what he's doing. (laughs) And that happens all the time. That's a nonstop thing. Like you talk to it, unless you're coding on the same project for like the, from start to finish, if you talk to a different developer, you're going to have completely different tech stacks, completely different ways you do things. It's so all over the place. It's difficult. Like it's actually difficult because it's tough to compare yourself. That's the other thing. It's a mental thing, right? Because you're like, I mean, if for you, when you didn't, when he like reached out to you and and said like, oh, why are you doing that or, or are you doing that? It doesn't make you feel great, right? Because you're you're all, you're all of a sudden doubting yourself immediately. You're like, wait, why do I? Why do like, I? Why, use why is that still? a bad thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that is that bad? Like. <laughs> But it isn't. Like most of the time, it's just because you're doing things differently. There's a million things to do it. There's a million ways to complete the same task. And we'll get into how that complicates pricing a little bit later. But like it's just – it's insane how widespread the technology is. Now, I think it is starting to narrow down a little bit and I'll explain that a little bit. So it used to be that you had to build all these technologies to give – web technologies more features like uh anything that had you know reactive components anything that had asyncs awaits anything that had some advanced javascript functionality let's just say that it had to be built th- through a third-party plugin or a third-party framework and that kind of gave it more functionality nowadays with es6 and uh the next es that's coming out and the more features that are coming out to basic javascript a lot of this stuff is being solved with just standard javascript no frameworks no nothing right so stuff like jquery in my opinion isn't really needed anymore like everything that jquery did that made it simple for you to go and manipulate data and manipulate uh ui elements and do basic functions all i would say not one-to-one parity but almost one-to-one parity has been built into javascript in a better more efficient way so there really is no reason to just, you know, take Java, take jQuery and use it in your project right now if you don't know it. Now, there is something to be said about familiarity. Like if you're more familiar with jQuery than you are with JavaScript and you just need to get a project done and it's one of those things, power to you. Use jQuery all, all the time. That's fine. Uh, depending on what your use case is, if performance that matters. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it too much, but like... Even that is complicated, right? Like even the little thing that I just said, like jQuery or not jQuery... To some people out there, that might be that might be a, a really confusing thought. When like, we were when we were jQuery? learning JavaScript, yeah. like when we were learning JavaScript, the very first thing I remember seeing like the whole like I don't really use jQuery much, but it was sort of instead of you doing you know document get element by ID and then you enter the ID, you, it was the little dollar sign with the brackets and that. And I remember seeing that all the time. And I and oftentimes you would look up like I would look up uh, how to do X thing in JavaScript. And it would come up with a jQuery solution because it's yeah. so common. And then I would type it in and be, and this is when we were, you know, very, very fresh. And I would be looking at it being like, why the hell, first of all, why the hell does this look different? Second of all, why isn't this working? And I had no idea that there's this whole thing called jQuery, right? 
And what I'm finding is, too, and, like, we're going to probably talk about this a bunch, is that in the web development world, the way that you learn is how you got taught. So, for example, if you're self-taught and you fell down the hole of jQuery, you're going to be super familiar with jQuery. You're going to learn it and all the rest of it. But there was nothing, there was no guide or something that specifically, or at least not, like, one that's very obvious. There's no, like, specific thing that says you should use jQuery and this is why and like blah, 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 blah. Like when you go to the jQuery website, or at least when I went there back in the day, I didn't really understand what was going on. And what I'm finding is a lot of people are getting into this industry by following how they're taught, which makes sense, of course. But what, what's happening is, is they'll get, they'll go to a boot camp and that boot camp will use jQuery. So now they're stuck with J, not like literally stuck, but now they're using jQuery for literally however long their project is, right? Or however long their, their, immediate like career is right maybe they'll switch in the future but for the most part they're using jquery for a bit there's also like the the people that will follow like a specific youtuber so like if we if we and mike are decide to make a youtube video on making a basic site you know more than likely we'll use vanilla but maybe that's not how we would do it let's just say we chose jquery so somebody who googles how do i make a site finds us first and then clicks on it, now they think that they use jQuery. So now they learn how to install jQuery, and they're just doing it. And that's how you get into those little rabbit holes where someone else is like, why the hell, you know, why are you using jQuery? Like, oh, you're using jQuery for this? Why? And to and then to the person, it's like, well, this is how I make a website. What do you mean? And it's and, and this is this is exceptionally and exceptionally true, and also a divide in the industry with really popular things like Vue. Like, um, view, react. like, uh, like what? React. Like react. That's what I, thank you. Uh, like, um, like WordPress, right? A lot of people are just like, I code for WordPress and yeah, they code in PHP and whatever, but realistically they're coding in PHP and they've mastered coding PHP in a way that works best with WordPress. So everything they're doing is tuned to WordPress. And it's important to note that all these people can switch but like I'm, I know that like uh, on our Discord server, um, on our Discord server, we've had several conversations with people where they're like fully into WordPress, right? And then and then there'll be some people that are dead against it, like oh, do custom every time, do custom every time. Some people are like, no, do quick. Mike and I are now kind of like a hybrid where we'll use WordPress when it's WordPress is due. We'll use a pre-made thing when a pre-made thing is due. We'll do a custom thing when a custom thing is due. But at the end of the day, you know, we're trying to just like provide a solution. But this is this is how you fall down those rabbit holes. Absolutely, and like th- this is why this topic is just so strong, right? Like it's such a <laughs> it's a ranty topic, like I said, and th- there's a good reason for that. One one piece of advice I have on this on this thing is learn the base, and we've we've told this advice many many times, but I just want to re- reiterate it: learn JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. Try to figure out those three things really well when you're first learning uh, web development. Because when you know those three things, all the other stuff will fall in line. All the other stuff will be like, will will act as a tool instead of this rabbit hole, right? So if you know JavaScript and you need to make a a, a, a really good reactive UI that changes when you have a different, different set of data, you'll know what to look for when you Google. You'll know what you need. And you'll be like, oh, Vue.js, it works because Vue.js works because, you know, it goes through, does the document.get elements, updates the UI for me. Like, I don't have to do that manually. And you're using it as a tool instead of using it as a crutch, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, like you're it's it's more so like, uh, you know, a, a good example. And this maybe this was maybe this is unclear, but it is an example nonetheless, is if you take it out of the web development world, and you put it to a word embedded. So like embedded programming is programming on a small chip. So like a chip that would be in your car that like controls the the, the alarm. Now, I'm not going to get into the, you know, into the, the specifics of it. And God knows how they make car alarms now. But this is how we were taught. And what it is, is like most people will choose a chip. So we were using AVR chips and AVR has a specific way to program. They have their own little IDE and you can code with ADR or excuse me, AVR um, sort of shortcuts. So you can just say things like turn pin one on with an easy to use command, right? And then we were being taught that for like a while. And then it was like, okay, but rem- but please note that you're not actually programming. You're using an AVR, effectively a library in which it's calling that turn on function. And then the last class we had, the most advanced one, taught us how to make our own. And then we had our own set of these files that was like, like okay, you like oh, turning on a pin is common. So we'll make a driver, basically. We'll make a file that's that, you know, turn pin on, whatever. And this file, will, all it will do, this function, all it will do is it will always like turn a pin on based on the number you feed it. And then when you're, when you code an actual project, you always use that driver file that has way more in it than the pin file. But now we understood, oh, there's a layer here. Because if you look online for solutions, like if you're having trouble with your AVR programming, you're going to see some weird stuff like people addressing registers and all the rest of it. And you're unsure. And this can go the same way with Vue as well, where if you don't understand that all these files are using to build it and it's like compiling down to JS and this and that, you're not going to know what the hell's going on. You're just going to think like, well, Vue's not working. Right. It's, it's just like how, like, I don't really know how iOS works, but I use iOS. But if iOS like were to break suddenly, I'd be like, okay, you know, like I'm a consumer in that way, but a developer would, would like be like, oh, that's because of like a develop, not an app dev, like a, a system level dev would be like, oh, that's because we forgot to change this, whatever in the system. But an app dev who builds on top of iOS wouldn't have no idea. They'd be like, I don't know. I'm, I'm telling it to call up the camera and the camera's not working. I don't know. Right. So there's like there's that leveling effect. And by you having the vanilla, you have a better understanding or at least a better um, like you're not going to be able to fix Vue.js probably by yourself. But like you're going to be if, if there's a problem, but you're but you're more but you're going to have a better view of like what is actually happening. It's sort of like how I, I, I can probably like I can replace a battery on a car, but I don't know where the hell those wires go. <laughs> like, I, I OK, like place these two these two terminals okay yay you know that's it for me i can boost a car but i can't like i can't go in there and be like oh it's not starting because of this pump or whatever so yeah exactly so it's like it 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 is important to know the core uh and that will help you understand the ever-changing technologies but it won't help you (laughs) it won't stop them from changing that's the other thing like it's always going to be changing so you just got to kind of live with it it's one of the things that again Maybe wrong is the wrong word for this, but it is one of those things you have to adapt to. Um, Next here, we have client relations. This is a pretty big one. So depending on what kind of job you're in, if you're, you know, a contractor, if you're if you have your own business or if you're a um, working in an agency or something like that, working for a startup, it's going to be a completely different set of client relations that you're going to have to do. But they're all very similar and it can become very overwhelming sometimes because clients are so different across board. Obviously, this does not only apply to the web development industry, but because web development is so, 
I don't know, it's it's not standardized, and I'll get into that a little bit later. It's not like a, a tangible product. Like you're not giving them, you know, you're not giving them a phone. You're not, there's no, it's really difficult for them to compare quality with you and someone else because they don't know what's going on in the background. They don't know how you put the website up. They don't know how you host it. They don't know how you create the stylings. They don't know. So their expectations of you can be completely vastly different than what you need their expectations to be. And in in a in a way it's always that battle of like trying to again work with the client and you know build a partnership together so that you're both understanding each other and their battle with you trying to get the product that they think is possible out there or they think they need. And you it's up to you as the web developer as the you know as the owner of your business as the contractor to steer them in the direction that has to be done that makes their product better. And that's a difficult thing to explain and an even more difficult thing to do in real life. Matt and I are getting better at it, I would say, but it's definitely one of the hiccups and one of the things that we need to get even better at because we have a lot of times, like a lot of the times before the before we start the podcast, our first, you know, half an hour of a conversation is talking about client relations. So Matt will debrief me on how his all of his projects are going. And 99% of that talk is about him actually like, you know, not feuding with the clients, but him uh, going through the misunderstandings, going through the, you know, the the contract work, going through the um, the communications that they've had. That's most of our conversations. The technology aspect of it, like we barely talk about that. Like I barely ask Matt, how did you do that? No, we don't talk about that. It's mostly the client relations side of it. It's it's probably it's probably like an un like it's probably like a almost like a hidden cost, I suppose you could say it, of web development, especially if you're doing client work, because you're just getting you're just getting like a big sort of smorgasbord of different uh, people from the industry. So what I mean by that is some people who are, you know, massive, com- who run massive companies, who have multiple projects going on or are highly busy in which your project that you're working on for them is a small part of their life. They usually don't care and they'll give you the keys to it. You run it, you do whatever it is. They don't want to know the design. They don't want to be involved. They don't whatever. For the for, now, there's some people that are obviously rich and whatever that have these big companies that are hands-on, but we found that the hands-on typically goes down to people that are, you know, either just starting up or this is a big piece of their business for whatever reason. Like, oh, we're going online for the first time, you know, big or small business. And so, if the project is a big part of their life, big part of their professional life, whatever it is, if it's big to them, right, then. Even if it's a small project from your perspective, from a technical perspective, they're going to be on you. Like, hey, we should move this title. Hey, we should do this. Hey, what about these deadlines? Hey, I'd like to see every single design. Hey, I'd like to see all this milestones. Hey, I'd like to do this. Hey, I'd like to do that. And that's where the arguments, not the arguments, but like the, um, it's like a feud. I want to like, the first thing that comes to mind is like, it's like a feud over money, but it, isn't really i guess it, what it is is it's like it's the professional calling is the professional and the non-professional having a discussion and so I, I always bring it back to cars but cars it's like sort of the most basic thing that like most of us are aware of you know going to the shop and whatever even if you don't have a car and if you think about it it's sort of like you show up and you say hey this car is broken and then the person goes okay the alternator is broken well you're not going to be like well can we just not have an alternator 
right? Whereas with tech, they're just sort of like, oh, well, can we just not have security? It's like, well, no, right? Like there's like a little feud point. Uh, I've had I've had moments where I'll warn clients, like I've warned clients in the past and I'll say, hey, by us doing this, this is going to Im- this is going to increase your ticket load. You know, if you're a person maintaining this, this is going to increase your ticket load. And they say, well, you know, how do you know? It's like, we, we know, like we've seen it. The more you do X, the more you get tickets. So I'm just going to warn you that this is the thing. And then they'll be like, oh, okay, it's fine. It's fine. I don't care. Like, you know, whatever. So they, yes, they kind of like, yeah, 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 it to death. You go and you do it because they've asked for it. And then when the, when it hits thing, they're just immediately like, whoa, we have to make this procedure easier. I'm getting way too many tickets. And they expect that for free. Now, if there's no service agreement in place or whatever, then you're like, sorry, man, like I can't help you. You know, I can't like, like it's, I'm going to have to charge you per hour or this is like another project for me. And a lot of times people don't realize that, like pe- people realize, like it, it's very strange. So it's like some people don't realize you're on multiple projects if you're running sort of like a web agency, but some people do realize you're on other projects, but then call you all the time and just sort of like, oh, like, you know, just, you know, don't worry, like, or like, uh, like they, they won't be demanding in the moment, but they don't realize that the call is derailing. And obviously you have to have calls with clients, of course. But if this person is calling every single day, multiple times a day, it kind of comes down to a point where it's like, man, I'm trying to work on hat or whatever. And I don't know, Jim's making this up. Jim calls me four times a day to ask questions about his speaker company. So now I have to keep looking up and like thinking about speakers and it's derailing my hat experience. It's the same thing as the whole phone fiasco. Like I said, having two separate phones. If I'm doing something on Canva, for example, for hat to like make a nice picture for social media or something. And then all of a sudden, like a, distressing or interesting or whatever personal message comes in it derails me immediately right so it's the derailings that are that are problematic and that's another major point of contention that can lead to contention in a variety of ways support is a big one people just being like well you know the web's 24 7 you built this you have to fix it being like well i mean your car is technically supposed to be available 24 7 isn't it and your car isn't like if the car breaks down today you know, considering that you're a reasonable person, you're not expecting the mechanic to be ready today. And people are just sort of like, yeah, but this is supposed to be up 24 seven. So like I need it 24 seven, right? They're not like, they're like tech is still at this point where it's not being considered. It's not being considered, um, tangible. It's not being considered tangible. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Like a digital good still feels like it's less, like it's less value. And so to them, it's just sort of like, well, I, you know, I need people to be able to order their, like, their like, uh, loaves of bread or something like if they're a bakery i need people to be able to over their loaves of bread 24 7 and if it's you know whatever holiday christmas day new year's or whatever like saint patty's day if you celebrate that whatever you know if if it's whatever day it is you have to be available 24 7 and it's sort of like oh okay well then you have to pay me for that and then immediately it's like no 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 no. you told me this would be up and then my argument always is see here's where the feud comes in my argument always is google cloud goes down you know, there's problems with YouTube sometimes. Twitter goes down. And they always say so. And I'm like, you're talking to a two, like a two or three man team, because not all of us are on every project. Like, realistically, like, uh, not possible. You know, if you do want that, I can give you the files and, you know, thanks for being a customer. But like, you're not going to get perfect, you know, perfect all the time support from, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not going to happen. And, and, and to yeah. some people, they just think, think like, well, no, like I've been told, like, I don't care if Microsoft goes down, this can't. It's like, well, I, I have to rent these servers, 
you know, from somebody, whether they be Microsoft or, w- or some other web host. And what if they go down? Like, I can't do anything about that. And it's like, yeah, well, we'll do it. And some clients are like that, right? There are those toxic Absolutely. clients that, and luckily we've pretty much gotten away from all them, but like, you know, they'll be like, well, this has to be up 24 seven. Even these big companies are 99.99 or whatever percent uptime or whatever they're they're advertising. And if you look about, if you look at it, like there's tickets all the time and incidents all the time on Microsoft 365, the like the business thing. If you, you can go in and like see the incidents, there's incidents all the time. Like, like like stuff is going to break, and for whatever reason, these digital things just seem to not be like Mike said tangible yet, and it makes everybody freak right out immediately, and then it makes us freak right out, and then it becomes this whole thing where it's like, well, now I'm working all you know off the clock not getting paid to fix this thing like Mike and I the other day and like we know this person so it's like it's fine but like Mike and I the other day fixed a couple of websites that literally we haven't touched in like six years or that might be wrong maybe five years or something but it's just sort of like you know that realistically that's not our problem like we did it like whatever like we're reasonable but like that's really not our not our problem Mm -hmm. not for free that's exactly it too it's sort of like the thing where it's like you buy an xbox and you have the Xbox for five years, and on year five it breaks. I mean, Microsoft might send it away for repair, but for a price. Or you had to buy an extended warranty of some sort, assuming they had a five-year warranty of some sort. Or you have to you have to just buy another one, right? Like, but no one's no one's being like, "Well, this thing's supposed to be up twenty-four-seven, and it's supposed to be available to me at all times." But because it's a physical thing, a physical, tangible thing that you can pick up and move around. People that people seem to be more accepting of it. But with the digital thing, they're like, oh, I can't log into this one thing. That's it. It's over. Like the whole world's over. I need your help right now. Like you don't know what, like we've been told, we've been told by people, you, you don't know what you're doing. I thought you were professionals. And immediately I'm just sort of like, okay, like, like the, 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 there does come a point where I'm just sort of like, okay, or I'll go quiet on a call. Like, I'm just sort of like, okay, I'm just like kind of taking some abuse here. So I'm just going to stop talking. And then they'll be like, hello. And be like, yeah. Be like, well, are you still there? Well, would you like me to fix the problem or shall we talk about how incompetent I am? Like, like, you know what I mean? And obviously more professional than that. The Like, I'm, you know, and I'm just sort of talking like sort of laymanly. I don't know if that's a word, but uh, on the podcast here. But like that does happen. Like there's people because you got to remember one thing. If people call you for support, they're pissed off usually. They're already pissed off. And a lot of people are reasonable. Like our clients that we have to their credit are reasonable, but we've had some, some clients who are no longer clients be like totally unreasonable, like hundred percent uptime, not possible. Well, this other guy told me you could, all right, we'll go, go talk to him then. Like Mike's had a call one time, a guy wanted a restaurant app, a full ordering restaurant app for, I think it was $110 or two fifty or something like that. Canadian. And it was just like, no, we can't do that. And he's like, well, my cousin said, it's like, well then go like, don't talk to, go talk to your cousin. Why are you calling me? Like, obviously, again, more professional on the phone than that. But it's that's the thing that's going through your head. Like, why the hell are you calling me? If I'm no good, get get out of here. Yep. And I think like that that the solution is exactly what you're saying to this. Uh, and and it, it is a trial and error thing. So you will like struggle with it at first. But it it is finding the right clients. And finding clients that will, are willing to work with you, are willing to be a partner with you. And you will partner with them to make a better product rather than the clients that are berating you that want every little penny out of your out of your pocket that want everything that they possibly can for the money that you're offering for the low cost or whatever. Like we don't want those clients like we just don't want those clients. We're not we're not in the business of 
of working with people that are going to berate us. It's just not going to happen. I don't care what what the project is. It doesn't it doesn't matter. So the and the trick thing the trick is to know that right off the bat. And usually you can figure it out during the negotiation process. Like when you're negotiating and you give a fair price for for the work and they come back and they're like, "Well, how about like $150 instead of your 2500 that you're offering for this very reasonable like, you know, uh, restaurant website to go back to that example?" That that is an immediate like in my head, that is too much of a price disparity to even uh, continue the communication or to think about having some sort of middle ground. That's not, it's not a possibility right off the bat, like immediately. And I will, I'm more than willing to be like, Hey, that's sounds great. Like, uh, we're not in, we're not ready to do anything at that low cost. Uh, if you have a cousin that can do it for you, hats off to the cousin. You can go with him. If you need any other help, you can always call us stuff like that. And with a hundred percent uptime, a lot of the times, like, I mean, it's not possible. I, I say it right off the bat. If we want to get as close to possible, I have no problem hiring a person. Uh, they can be on your account. It'll be about $60,000 a year for the person's salary. Um, we, we can get a dedicated server. That's going to be another about uh, you know, $1,000, $2,000 a month on, uh, to, to get the dedicated server to, so that it has more uptime. We can have a backup dedicated server, another $1,000 so that we can hot, hot swap to it. And then about $100,000, you know, to, to get it all working, to make sure that we have uh, redundancy and stuff like that with DNS. Um, so yeah, if, if you're willing to, you know, do the 99.9% uptime uh, agreement for, for the amount of money, there's no problem. And that like, obviously it's facetious. Obviously it's being kind of a, a dick, a little bit of a dick when you say stuff like that, but it is, kind of a reality too like may, the pricing that i'm saying is a little bit off from what i would actually say uh, or what i would actually quote but it is like fairly close if they want something to be up 99.9 percent .9 of the time if they want to beat google or microsoft for a for a service i'm willing to offer that but again it's going to be at a at a price point where i am i am intentionally giving that price point for them to say no let's let's just say that like I'm intentionally showing them how much it's going to cost because it's an unrealistic goal. Like you're not – your budget does not fit here. If it does, all right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's you know, let's hire that $60,000 employee that's going to be around. Let's hire two people so that there's – so that they can flip shifts so that you're, you literally have 24-hour-7 support. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just – it's totally doable to a certain degree but it is – it's not cost effective. Like you can't – like no one can guarantee that at like $150. It's just not possible. Yeah, that's the crazy thing too is like I don't know whether it's lack of – I mean some of it's definitely lack of like understanding of what it what it takes. But I have a funny feeling that like a lot of people are just sort of – I don't know I don't know how to, how to word this. But it's sort of like like a lot of tech and, and like talking to other technical professionals. Like a lot of technical people kind of feel abused. Right. Because they're like constantly getting phone calls from angry people or they're being like, you know, crapped on by their boss or whatever it is. And it's just sort of like this tech needs to work perfectly 24 seven. You're one person. Go. And it and, and because Mike and I run our own thing, we just straight up like I'm very coy. Like, I think that's the word to use, but I'm um, using a lot of weird words today. But I'm very like straight up with 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 clients. Like I just tell them like there's been times where people will request 10 different things on like, you know, I don't know, 10 of their projects and I do like one at a time and they're like, yo, like, you know, these are different projects. Why aren't they all done at once? And it's like, you're, you're, you are talking to a one to three man operation, you know, 
depending on how many people we've, we've assigned here. And I'm sorry, but like you, you are one client of X many and I am providing this service, like whatever, if it needs to be done faster then we can put a rush on it, but it will cost more. If we need to do something special for it, it will cost more like Mike's saying. And then it's just like, well, I don't want to pay more. It's like, okay, well, if you want more service, you have to pay more. Or you can go to a larger agency and, you know, maybe they have a package deal because they always have a support team for all their websites or something. But you aren't going to get the the one-on-one. Like, you know, people call me for help with their site and I walk them through menus and stuff. But like, if you call some big agency, it'll be a call center or it won't be as smooth or they won't help you as much, or they will it's have. It's going to cost way more. It's going to cost. Sorry, it's going to cost. Like, gonna cause cause look at the bureaucracy. You know, like yeah. you're adding a, bureauc- a bureaucratic level: level one support, two yeah. support, three support, whatever. You're adding mm-hmm. like who can call, who has VIP support. Like, there's a lot of employees. There's a lot of bureaucracy. The systems are engineered. You have to have training for those systems. You have to have documentation for those systems. You have to teach those people at their various levels. You have to make sure that they're always there. You have to manage shifts. You got to manage contracts. You got like, come on. You know, the, there just does come a point when it's like, and, and, and to be honest, a lot, and we do come across uh, a lot of abandoned websites. So, you know, it is a two way street to be fair, in which there are a lot of wet, bad web guys out there, but there's also a lot of good web web guys that are doing perfectly fine. And there's also a lot of good web guys that had or are having a bad experience getting beat down. And then they just, then they become bad web guys. They just don't care. And so I think the key really is. You know, I, I and this is and it's not a tangent. It's it's highly related to client relations, but it also comes into tech stuff too. But it kind of comes to a point where you just have to be, you have to be flexible, but you have to have the direction. If that makes sense, it's like you have to be. You have to choose a direction and go in it. If you're gonna like offer good support and do this and do that, like whatever your core values as a company are, you go in that direction and you're flexible, right? Like maybe some guy's like a real jerk. And you're like, you know what? Like our core value is to help everybody, but we're done with this guy. Like I'm getting like, I, I can't deal with this guy. Like, sorry, we're going to have to drop your account. What, however it works in your country to drop accounts or whatever. Right. Cause it's different per country, but it's just sort of like, sorry, man, I can't like, I can't help with this project anymore. Thanks for the, thanks for the opportunity, whatever. But like, you have to choose where to be flexible and where to be rigid in which you're just like, no, like I am not going to do this because this is going to cause a major problem. Like how many times, and I've mentioned this several times, how many times, and this is a lighthearted one, have we told clients I'm not putting music on your site? You know, short of it being a podcast player, a video player, a music player, something like that. Oh, can we just have some nice background music? No. Sound effects? No. Like short of it being one of those things or a highly themed website where it's supposed to have media playing and it's a high, like if you're trying to make a whole website in the whole Terminator theme or something and it needs the Terminator noises, totally reasonable. But a regular website where you sell like hats and you want like when you're hovering over (laughs) stuff. No, sorry. And like, that's like something where I'm, I'm, I'm being rigid in saying I'm not willing to make that UX whatever, but I'm being flexible enough to say, if the person is persistent, I will put it in writing that I really do not recommend it but i will do it but mike and me mike and myself being rigid with that and being so hard to it's hard for clients to get us to put that in makes it so that we've actually never had to do it and no one's mad 
Like, I give evidence. Sorry, this is not standard. This is annoying. On phones, it's terrible. We don't want to have to add media controls. We don't want to have to add mute controls. It's it's awkward. It's going to cause weird problems. It's going to cost you more. We have to go find the music somewhere. I don't recommend it. Mm-hmm. Right? And then, and then yep. they'll be like, Jesus, yeah, okay. That's us being rigid professionally. That's the key. You have to take all this stuff that we're saying, because we're saying it very, very like, you know, in the moment where we're just saying like, man, that customer is a bad customer. You don't, you don't call somebody and say, you're a bad customer. Goodbye. You just say something like, hey, man, like, you know, we're moving in a different direction. Apologies for the thing, whatever. We'll give you this much support for this much time. And we, we, we'd we like to exit this project. Thank you very much for your opportunity and blah, 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 blah. This is what you'll get. This is how you'll, this is how we'll exit. You know, we recommend these three people. Goodbye. And that's the more professional way to handle it. Yep, exactly. Professional, rigid. I, I, I like everything you said there. Um, with that, I'm probably going to move on here because <laughs> oh yeah, uh, the rants in this episode have been really, really epic. Uh, we've been on the okay. phone, Mike. We've been on the phone all day. I know. All, all, day. all day. It's been a weird day. It, it it's been, been a really weird day. day. It's been a really weird day for me. Uh, it's been a, and, and like you said, it's been a weird like couple weeks even. So that that's why I, I, this episode kind of fits in here. Um, error catching. That's the next one. Uh, JavaScript and web development are a little bit different than most other languages. So if you're coming from a I don't know C sharp Java background, uh, this is a this is going to be the thing that kind of throws you a little bit. With C sharp and Java, when you write code and then compile it before you run it, you have to compile it. And that while you compile, it'll check your code and make sure it can run. That's the key. It'll check to make sure if it can run. If it can't run, it'll give you an error. Now, whether that error is helpful, whether um, one language has better errors than another language, whatever, that's fine. But it'll give you an error. JavaScript, on the other hand, is a runtime language, which means you can write it and you can write an error in that code that will break the site. You can write an error in that code that will, uh, you know, delete a, a customer account and crash the server, whatever, and it will run. It will, it will not tell you. You can put it in production. It will not tell you that you have made an error. There are error-catching tools, and a lot of them, and they're all different, and they're all tough to set up. There are tools like <laughs> they're ESLinters. They're hard, hard to and, use, for, and they're terrible. Yeah, they're they all don't hard work to use. Really, and they, yeah, yeah they, and they're all, they're all over the place. They're, are, they're out there, and they're difficult. But from the get-go, what you get out of the box with JavaScript is nothing. And if you have an error... You'll just have a white screen. Sometimes it'll run perfectly and the error will only occur when you click on a specific link after a specific set of times that you've clicked on the link. Try catching that error. Like after you click this link a hundred times, <laughs> it will crash it. That's ha- That can happen with we've, JavaScript. We've had, that we've had weird things happen. like that, yeah. 100%. Try to catch that error before you, uh, before you pr- put it in production. Not possible. I caught a, I caught a weird error the other day where... And this isn't JavaScript, but this is very similar. So it was with a server. Uh, I was coding an HD access, and I just needed to temporarily throw a file somewhere, uh, and I needed to just make it so that the referral link was a specific link. Someone presses the download link, and I just had a temporary file store just so the client can see that, yes, it's working. So I didn't want to explain to them that I had a temp one. And, like, I'm not going to get into it So like with the client. So what I did was I like did it, and I did it on like Chrome. I did it on a couple others, and I say, and I it was a PDF. Opens the PDF, no problem. Saves it, no problem. All of a sudden, get to like Edge or one of the one of the browsers, and all of a sudden I can't save it, and it's because it's looking at itself as the referral, and it's saying, oh, the referral wasn't the download button, therefore I'm not allowing it, even though it's myself, I'm not allowing it, 
But the other yeah. stuff, the other browsers were getting the referral, downloading it in a temp file, I would presume, and then you pressed save and it just works. So that's one of those weird things, right? Where it's like, what the hell? But luckily I just, you know, I just added another referral. But in production, if that was a... Uh, I don't know, some sort of like configuration file that you desperately needed or some sort of digital product you sold the customer and you were using that referral way, which you probably shouldn't use. But if you were, like if JavaScript was controlling it for some reason, like that's very easy to accidentally put in there. And then it's just like, everyone's like, hey, I bought your wallpaper, like you're my desktop, this wall desktop wallpaper, but it just didn't download. Like what's going on here? And it's like, oh, here we go. Like. Yep, exactly. So and, and it can happen a million different ways. Like you can have an infinite loop. That happens all the time. You, go, you you click a button and you're referencing an element that's not there. And then you're incrementing over a, a set of elements that aren't there or just theoretical or whatever. And all of a sudden you get stuck in an infinite loop. You crash the person's browser <laughs> and computer. It's, it, you can do that. Yeah, and can, and yeah. JavaScript will not tell you that you have an infinite yeah. loop in there when, you're, when you put it in production. Again, yes, there are ES linters. I get it. That, that can catch some of these things. But a lot of the time, they do mess up. A lot of the time, they make stuff more convoluted than it needs to be. Like ESLint is all over the place. You have to find the right linting, linting uh, thing for you uh, that, that, that will not drive you insane and stuff like that. So that's the complication with error catching and web development. Next thing here, barely any standards. Like... Again, this kind of goes to the first point, the ever-changing technologies. Where do you start? Like where, like when you're writing a website, who's monitoring, who's checking to make sure that you've written it correctly? There's no one there. There's no, there's no like entity out there that's like going around checking websites. <laughs> Theoretically, no, but like it's true. Yeah, you're right. Like it's, you're right. No, yeah. Like if, if, you, if you create a car, go back to the car analogy, when you create a car, Something has to happen. A safety check has to happen for you to be able to put that car current into production. Correct. Well, yeah, like like in Canada, there's a bunch of regulations on how the car is built and all the rest of it, right? All these laws and all the rest of it. And then, furthermore, there's like an there's like sort of a a live check where it's like when you go to buy a car, depending on its age and whatever. I'm not versed in it, but there is a safety check at which they check the seat belts and warning lights and all the rest of it. And so now they're checking the things that were they're checking. With a standard list of things to check, they're checking a car that was built to standard to make sure that yep. it is still adhering to the standards. So it's like a whole like list of stuff to make sure like, you know, GM can't be like, you know what? I got this. I'm going to make our lights out of paper mache. You know, that's ridiculous. Like can't do that. But with web development, if you want to make paper mache web pages, fucking go ahead, do it. Yeah, like just some, something where it's like super easy to crash. That's what I mean by paper mache, just super weak. Yeah. Just like, oh, Absolutely. put my hand through this freaking website. Whoops. You want to, you want to store passwords in plain text? You want to have a website that just plasts all the passwords out on of the user that's input? I mean, I did I did publish I that? did publish my password and login instructions publicly on GitHub when I was learning Typo 3. So There we go. <laughs> I mean, I just signed up to one of my community websites. Like, a, it was a it was a website for the the city that I'm in, Burlington. Uh, like some sort of recreations website. I signed up for it. They sent me my password in my email. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Plain text, obviously, because they sent me my password. Or, or it's stored in like such a way that it's like, um, and 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 you know what? Like in like MD5 or something that can be easily decrypted. You know what I mean? Um, sure. Whatever. So they're not storing but it in plain still, text, it's but still, it's like if someone yeah. gets it, they can just run it through a decryptor. Uh, the thing that yeah, the exactly. thing that sucks too with that 
is like maybe you know maybe there's i'm not a security expert so maybe there's more to that specific case mike but i mean more more or less you shouldn't be sending your passwords in plain text but we as web developers will often find ourselves using something specific so like if we're using a specific plugin because it's like of complexity that we're unaware of and then it decides to store some stuff in plain text you're screwed like it's just like well i guess that's in plain text now like you know what am i gonna you know what am i gonna do like like there's no security body looking at me no there isn't you can have people's credit cards people's social insurance numbers it doesn't you can you can just put a website out there no one's gonna stop you that just literally collects people's information it's just a front page (laughs) is literally just a form and it's just like enter all your information no one's stopping you no one's asking why no one's checking and you can do it in whatever technology you want on the web and like maybe maybe a law would catch you like you know down the line Maybe. but from a technical yeah. perspective there's no like you know here here you go web development a- like checking agency please check this out before i publish it you know that's that's what we're getting at there's no like i think it's called csa canadian standards or whatever it is canadian standards association something something like that don't call me but uh like there's nothing like that for web developers where it's not like hey why the hell is this stored in plain text? Because that plugin that you use that's storing something in plain text that shouldn't would be caught before you use it, right? Yep. So. And there's no one guide either. Like when you're going into web development, if you look up how to learn web development, you're not going to find like, you know, the the one guide that everyone uses to start up and then they differentiate after that. There is no one course. There is no one guide. There is no one way to learn. There's a million different ways to learn. There's a million different technologies. There's a million different steps to take. It's always, it's extremely subjective. Um, and it and it sometimes is wrong. Like a lot of the times people are teaching you, like if they're starting, if they're starting you off in the middle of a framework, I'm sorry, but that's just wrong. Like it, in, in, maybe it's my opinion. Yes. And again, that's part of the problem. The fact that I can say it's in my opinion and that's official enough for it to be a guide or whatever uh or course you, you, you know what it is it's 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 those it's those it's like when someone is trying to get something done quick if you go to like a boot camp and they yep. they teach you like react right out of the gate from scratch it's because the the goal is to get a job quick in react mm-hmm. that's true yeah and i mean i again that kind of it can work you can absolutely go through a boot camp, learn just React without learning JavaScript, HTML, CSS in, in detail, and get a job in React and have a decently successful career. But as soon as you get to that point where it becomes a there's a complicated problem with your website or with the code base, and you have to go in and rewrite it, or you have to switch technologies. Like God forbid, React just goes away or something. Like what happens when you know someone Vue.js all of a sudden takes over and becomes the the de facto framework, and everyone's using Vue.js, no one cares about React. What are you gonna do? Like how are you gonna switch? How are you gonna adapt? So it's just it it's one of those things where you have to think about your future a little bit, and you have to invest your time in the right places from the beginning and if you invest your time in the right place from the beginning and you learn javascript html and css enough to understand it and then go into the frameworks it's going to pay off exponentially for you in the in the future it's just that's just facts like i've we've done that um i've used my javascript skills many many times to solve all the different framework problems i have no problem saying that i can learn any of the different frameworks because i know javascript well enough like, I don't care what technology you throw at me. It's not scary. Like, it's not daunting because I understand what it's built on. 
I understand the programming behind it. And that's what I recommend. You know what the equivalent is in real life is they always say that like people that are younger know tech because they're not afraid of it because they grew up with it. So it's like older folks who like depending on age didn't grow up with smartphones and stuff. And so when they when they see like, oh, I need to take a picture. How do I take a picture? And they don't know what to click to take a picture. And they actually literally ask for help from someone else. Whereas if I go and pick up an iPhone and I'm not super familiar with iPhone, to be fair, and I don't know how to do that, I'm either going to Google it, which is the worst case, or I'm literally just going to play with the device. Like I'm comfortable with the tech and I'm not afraid of it. The same thing could be said about learning the vanilla stuff, where it's like you learn the vanilla stuff. Now you're not afraid of this other stuff, right? You're not like... You're not like scared of like, you're not, you're not, you're not scared of it being like, man, like, I don't know any JS and this thing's saying that like this variable is wrong. Like I just copied and pasted all this code from Stack Overflow. Like, what do I do now? If you get into one of those complex issues that Mike and I had talked about later, and then you have a real serious problem because you're going to be looking at yourself being, or you're going to like find yourself staring, I guess that's what I'm trying to say at like a compile window or something. And you're going to have no idea. Whereas, like, uh, like I know servers pretty well. And I'm not afraid. I don't care. I'll just forget. Like, it, it, I affect, I always say, like, sysadmin's, like, wrestling with the damn thing. Like, there's been times where I, like, just this week, I was, there was, like, a whole bunch of, there was a whole bunch of, like, um, uh, a whole bunch of, um, not security, but like a whole bunch of uh, websites. I don't know why I kept trying to say security websites. A whole bunch of websites hosted on this one particular server, and I'm being and being ambiguous just because I don't want to give away our infrastructure. But uh, basically, like I had to change the PHP version to test something on one test site, and there was like ten of them on there, and it was like, man, we could test this and this, 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 and I was like, you know what? And I just like went on my phone, went into it, changed the PHP, was like, there you go, bud. <laughs> And it's like, are any of the other websites tested? No, they'll just call if they have problems. And that's like effectively me wrestling because like there's like a 99% chance out of the out of my experience that like it won't break it. And we could do all these crazy security checks. But at the end of the day, you know, we're not like I'm making the call. We're not processing any credit cards. We're not even processing any emails on this particular server. It's all just like UI stuff. So if like some UI stuff breaks, who cares? You know, like it's not going to be the end of the world. Let's go in and fix it. And so you, you make that call and you're wrestling it. You're like, I could, you know, do this whole formal check or I could just be like, you know what? There's no security at risk here. I'm just changing this damn PSP version. I don't care. And then that's it. So like that's, but like, I'm not afraid to jump in there and wrestle it. But then there's areas mm-hmm. where you are afraid. Like you don't want to be, str- you should be afraid. Where, yeah. You should be afraid of, of, of screwing with something in production with hundreds of people using it every single day. Right. You should be afraid of that. You should be afraid of like little things like that. But, but, you, but the point is you're supposed to, you're supposed to know where to be afraid. That's, that's a key thing yep. where I'm in a dev environment. It's just sort of like, you know what, this might break everything. So I'm going to take a backup. Just so I can restore the dev environment. And if it breaks everything, screw it. If it doesn't, well, woohoo. And then you just fire it off and, oh, it broke everything. Let's just restore because it's faster, right? You, Excuse me. You're doing it without fear. But then when you go to deploy, people often get that, like, anxiety. But the but think about how much higher that anxiety would be if you were anxious, first of all, all the time in dev and production. And if you were still kind of, I mean, and newbies will experience this. And, and like, we're new at some techs some tech types where it would be like, man, I don't know what this database is going to do. Like what is going to happen here? Right. And you're, so you're scared and like, that makes sense. And so you need to kind of know the tech well enough to, to know when or where to be afraid and how afraid if you're like, man, this might make some people 
people's usernames have a space at the end. That's not the end of the world. Like, it sucks, but that's not the end of the world. You can fix that. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just in the sake of, for the sake of time, I'm going to combine the next two points here. So having to deal with different browser technologies and different devices with different screen sizes, all three kind of combined, is difficult to say the least. If you're trying to build a website that needs to be accessed by people of all ages, from any sort of generation, from if you're trying to encompass a hundred percent of the audience, like if that's one of your goals, you're gonna have a hard time. Like it's you just not it's not an easy you task. Have a real you're bad gonna have time, a bad time. Yeah. 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 If you're trying to solve for IE eight, good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not like, w- it. and then and then using like with newer web technologies as well, like in in at the same time, it's difficult. So you on that topic, you should be charging more when you're doing that kind of stuff at this point. But on the other th- on the other side, you should be pushing back a little bit. You should be trying to unless you unless it's a very specific like if it's a government application for instance that that people need to be able to submit their, you know, taxes or something into. Not that all all the people are working on that, but if you are working on something like that, I could see there being an argument made that needs to be able to support as many people as possible. But if you're building a website that, you know, is going to be accessed for buying hats, like Matt was saying, just a website that buys hats, there's no reason for you to be building it for IE8. Like you should be supporting Edge and above. Because realistically, what's the audience percentage of IE8? And out of that audience percentage, how many people are going to be buying digital hats? Or like, you know, like hats on a, on a website. Most of the people that are on IE8, in my opinion, are people that will probably go into the store to buy a hat. Like that, th- those are the kind of logical things you have to make, uh, logical decisions you have to make. And then with the different size screens and different devices, that's another complexion. So if you're an Android developer, you it's pretty complicated because you have so many different tablets, so many different phones. But realistically, you are solving for the mobile experience. So it makes it a little bit easier. If you're an iOS developer, even easier, you have a very finite number of devices, very finite number of screen sizes. It's very doable. And choose choose your limit too. Choose a limit. Absolutely. When you're a web developer, you're solving for ultra high definition, ultra wide, really small, vertical orientation, small devices, large devices, weird devices. Like there's like an infinite amount of sizes and then you're you're also solving for people like me that like to like resize their windows and put them in different spots and when i see a website that doesn't resize very well i'm like oh what those bastards but realistically i'm Jeez. kind of janking their website right like i'm purposely going through and trying to you know make their website a little bit more efficient so that adds complexity that adds difficulty with ux like if you want a really cool ux design but you needed to work across all the devices that's that's a tall order. Like, how are you going to make a really interesting layout work on a phone in horizontal and vertical view, as well as an ultra wide monitor that, you know, spans like three monitors at the same time and still look okay. Try, try that design challenge, something unique other than the fact that like, there's a reason why the web is so similar now, why it's always like a grid style layout, because it's really easy to make responsive. Right, like if you have three columns, you just line them up vertically, or put the, spread them out across. But if you have something that's unique, how are you going to make it work on all the different uh, devices? Like, are you going to just do different designs for each device? Are you going to do like what are you going to do? So, 
it's Again, also ease it's of use to be fair too like it is it is mm-hmm. ease of use as well because people get used to using content boxes and content boxes are sort of like a distilled version of what we've always had on things like there's a reason why you know stuff goes to 100% or near 100% width on mobile as well because it fills up that screen because the screen's so small so there's little things like that as well as what Mike's saying in horizontal and landscape we had recently had an issue and like it's a pretty simple issue but like something that uh, people would over overlook is like we had a uh, full screen video playing and it was you know obviously full screen by me setting the VH to 100 so 100% of the viewport height did not consider the fact that there was a whole bunch of overlaid stuff on there and then during bug testing we found that when you squish it down the 100% viewport height of a of an iPhone in landscape is freaking tiny and everything all clashed together so you obviously just put like a minimum you know minimum pixel height or something I think that's what I did easy enough but still something to consider so on the view height thing that and then this is this is the complication of the different browsers uh if you put a view height, a, a Chrome browser will expect it to be the, the height of the actual content, but a, a Safari browser will actually take the height of the address bar into oh, consideration. Oh, that's right. I so forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. Two that's different right. calculations for the same exact thing. So now you're going to have jank. So now you have to figure out how to handle that. So that's that's another thing. Like all these different browsers, they're they're trying to compete with each other. They're trying to be the right one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're doing things differently. Now, it's becoming more cohesive is becoming a lot easier back in the olden days which we weren't coding in the olden days let's be serious back in like you know 10 years ago where we had internet explorer opera firefox safari all running on completely separate engines with completely separate standards it was a nightmare i i've I've looked at the posts i've looked at the reviews of that and stuff like that i've looked at you know developers explaining it that yeah my mind my mind boggles (laughs) Now it's a little bit easier. Stuff's coming together. Edge is running on Chromium. Um, we essentially have Edge. Well, we essentially have Chromium, Safari, Firefox left. They're coming together a little bit. Like it's it's becoming easier, but there's still those little things. Like I said, the VH thing it still hasn't been solved. Like I looked I looked at the sh- at the release notes of the new Safari that was just released in the new Mac OS Big Sur. They didn't even mention it. They don't care. Wow. Yeah. So like. It's just one of those things where, I mean, make your website look intentional in any and in, in as many resolutions as you can. You know, even if it's even if it's not exactly the way you wanted, sometimes you just have to make it look intentional because what, what happens is customers won't, you know, not, not to like pull the wool over their eyes, but customers, you know, chances are they won't use that specific device. But if they do, it at least looks intentional. So they're not calling you angry being like, hey, this is broken. They're calling you being like, hey, man, like I'd like this layout on this like specific iPad in landscape or in portrait to be a little bit different. And then it's just sort of like a design talk at that point so basically like make sure that there is a design for virtually any screen size especially within your limit and what i mean by limit i mean by mike and i only support down to an iphone 5 anything that's smaller than that chances are that device is probably gone or that person is the person that's using it is used to jank because we're starting to get to a point where we're putting so much on our mobile phones that it's getting impossible to fit everything in on an iphone 5 screen or below right so an iphone 5 which is a very small screen i believe it's a four inch screen or somewhere around there it's a very small screen and therefore I, you know, we just don't support underneath that. And and we don't support IE either by default. And if you want us to, again, like Mike said earlier, you can pay us to do that. But there's like, we choose our limits. Like we'd say, okay, we're going to do down to an iPhone 5. And, I, and I've told customers that. Like I've, I've recently started telling customers when they say like, hey, can we fix this on smaller screens? I say, yep. Go when I fix it. 
go into the, the responsivity checker, do that. And then I write down the device. So I'll say like, Hey, like, I'll, like if I know they're using an iPhone, I'll say, Hey, uh, this is, this will work, uh, from iPhone six and down. Like this fix will apply at iPhone six and down. You know, sometimes we'll make a video stop playing or we'll make the image different on a smaller screen. So I'll be like, this image will apply from this to this down. This image will apply from this up. And if they're using Android, same thing. Oh, this, this will go from a Nexus six P up or like whatever. Right. Cause people, who are asking about specific breakpoints or tech savvy enough to be like, oh, what's that? If they don't know what a Nexus is, look it up. Oh, it's six inch screens. Perfect. Sounds good to me. And they'll just leave it. Right. So I've been incorporating that into my responsivity talk with clients rather than me being like the viewport was 17 inches wide. You know, I'm not like, that's ridiculous. So it's just easier to say, usually, usually it's an iPhone, like 90% of the time. And I'll just say iPhone six and up iPhone, iPad, iPhone Pad Pro, iPad, man, that'd be a freaking device. iPad Pro, what, like, uh, 2017 is, like, where I'm limiting this or whatever, those type of things. Because then they'll, they'll be like, oh, I have an iPad. Yep, that sounds good to me. That's that, that's reasonable. We'll change that later or whatever. That type of thing. Okay, um, exactly. Uh, I have a few points here as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of rip through these because, obviously, we're running, like, we're running pretty long. We had a super long weekly pain point. Um, So one of them is, and we've talked about this before, is no standard pricing. So pricing varies wildly, and I do mean wildly, literally from $250 to $15,000 on the same project. And this is actually seriously not a joke. I've seen people that say, oh, we we don't charge anything under 20K for a website. And that's literally what it is. But then you have like, you know, generally smaller time people. So people that are new or just one person that does web development, and they'll be like, oh, I, I do WordPress sites and I do them every single one, no matter what it is for $500. So it's it's quite literally that different. Some people are mm-hmm. like two, $250 versus 15000 That is actually what you could be quoted. You could find quotes yep. in that range. We've seen it. We've like, literally we, we've, seen I've it. I've legit seen it. Yeah, I've legit seen it. I know a friend that uh, went out and got a bunch of quotes for web for for a website, and it, it wasn't that disparate. Like it wasn't two hundred to fifteen thousand, but uh, it was. I think the cheapest he had was fifteen hundred, and the most expensive he had was uh, twenty seven thousand or something. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like seven quotes. I think he got, and that that was the range, right? On same website. It was mostly a standard website, mostly standard like information heavy website for like a business, like a regular business. There, it wasn't like one of those websites where they were trying to convert people or anything like that. It was mostly just, hey, this this just needs to have our information on there, so when people Google us, they see that we're professional. Like it's, it, I would, it's a little bit above a like a business card website, but still. So it's one of those things, and this happens for many reasons. Uh, I find, um, and like you said. A lot of the like a lot of the reasons for the higher pricing is because there's just price points for some companies that they won't go under. No matter what, like if a person comes and they say, "I want to have like my grandma have a website online," they're gonna get the same exact price as the person that actually needs like you know a, a pretty heavy marketing uh, influence, good SEO and stuff like that because they just don't want to deal with those customers. Their their mindset is, "I would rather overquote you and lose you as a customer than." Uh, you know, provide a reasonable quote, have you, and then spend time on building your site. So 15000 for me is that reasonable quote. If you're willing to go with us, we're going to build you the best, you know, regular, normal site that we can possibly do for your for your uh, needs. But that's what we're going to get. And from what I've heard, it's pretty successful. Like that method is pretty successful because some people do value the 
maybe not the eliteness of it, but the the professionalism there, right? Like, okay, you're going to build me this site that someone else can build me for $500, but you're going to do it with the knowledge of, you know, a full team of people and the, the technology of, you know, 10 years of, of work. That's value. That's a prop value proposition. So yes, the disparity is there. Yes, you can probably get a decent site for less money, but if you want one of those like click and you're done solutions and you have the money and you're willing to spend the budget on something that's probably going to work for you for a long time, sometimes it's worth it to spend that extra money. That's the mindset that I'm trying to approach our projects, not the $15,000. Let me let me be clear, like we're not in that range right now. Like we're not going to be quoting everyone $15,000, but I am trying to put a price on our value rather than put a price just on the hours that we spend on the project. And it's not not to scam anyone. It's not to do anything you know underhanded. It's to literally provide a better product because when we when you quote someone a, a reasonable price that you're happy with and they accept it, then you know that that partnership is most likely going to work because you're going to be very motivated to work for them because you're getting the money that you want and that you need to run your business. And they're going to be happy because they're going to be getting a person that's motivated to work on their project. And and that's a really good point, Mike, because if you really think about it, the um, like you, we were talking about customer relations earlier and customer relations can get rocky because of the price. So like somebody like a client could, let's say, call you every single day with totally reasonable requests. But if that person paid you $250, you know, 10 months ago, and that person's still calling you all the time, the requests or the talks could be totally reasonable, but you might lose your temper with them or get frustrated with them or not want to talk to them because you're not being paid by them. But if this person's paying you, you know, a fair, a fair bit per month or paid you a lot for the project or whatever it is, then it's a more reasonable conversation and you feel as though you've been compensated for your work. Whereas, you know, that's not the case. That's not the case when you're, when you're paid um, you know, a very little amount. And it kind of comes, it kind of comes to like the, it it, it kind of comes to the idea of it being like, don't just offer your services for free, like know your value in that. And it is exceptionally difficult to do. It's easy for me to say it's hard for you to do. If you're brand new and you really want to do work, like I know a lot of people will try to do a bunch of free work, you know, whatever you got to do, I guess to hustle it, hustle it out. But if you're a person that's now making 15 grand a month or something like that because of all these maintenance contracts that you have and someone comes along and wants to offer you 250 for for you know $250 flat for something that needs to be supported for a year, you're going to be like get the you know get the heck out of here. You know, because your value is higher than that. You probably have a team at this point and it's like, you know, I don't want to do that. No, sorry, bud. And then that's it. So that type of thing is where like that's that's important to note. I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? So that, that, that type of thing is, you know, I'll, I'll say it like this is Mike and I aren't perfect at it yet. We are, we still have meetings per quote because we are not perfect at it. And we both need, we need to put our heads together on it. We sometimes get it proofread or checked over by others. And we also need it. Like we just are getting, we are getting better, but we are not perfect at it. And to be totally honest, I don't think anyone is. Some people just make it, some people distill it down to a template and say, I only charge 1500 per every single website. And that's how they deal with it. But if you're talking and, and and to be blunt, that's not even perfect because the distillation down to that wasn't perfect. You know, quoting is not perfect, especially when you have ranges, like I just said, 250 to 15,000. Crazy, right? Just absolutely crazy. Yep. Uh, another one, real quick one. We've already touched on this quite a bit, but real, real quick. Uh, two 
rapidly moving ahead. So tech moves really, really quick, right? But this is just crazy. Like we're moving to different frameworks, different ideals, different things, like different ways to learn, different this, different that, different this. It's too, it's, it's too crazy. Like, could you imagine, could you imagine learning? Like people always say, I have 10 years experience. I have 10 years experience, right? It's like, okay, well imagine five years ago, take, so say it's, you know, 2015, you take 2015 and you've been doing PHP for 10 years. So now you're a PHP, you know, you're a PHP expert and you're a master at it and you've been doing it for 10 years. But now no one really uses PHP. Like people use it. It's in use all the time, but not in the zeitgeist. It's not the thing that's talked about. It's not the newfangled thing. If you bring that up at like a new, at like a conference with like a new developer, they're going to be like PHP, like the hell are you talking about? And Mike and I went to an event, a local event, and some guy came up to me, or uh, I think we were at like the coffee bar there or whatever, and I was just like sitting there grabbing a drink, and the guy came up to me and he's like, oh, what are you building? That's sort of like a common question of these dev things. Like, what are you building? And I was like, oh, I'm just here to check it out, whatever. We just do client projects for now type of thing. We're not really building anything. And he was like, oh, he's like, he's like, I'm building something pretty cool. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, what is it type of thing? And he was like, you're going to hate me for this. And I was like, what? I was like, what is it? Like, like, what the hell are you building? I thought it was going to be like something offensive or something. He's like, oh, he's like, it's offensive in developer terms. He's like, I'm, de- I'm building it in PHP. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I don't give a fuck what you're building it in. I'm like, you could be building it on freaking ICQ somehow. I don't give a crap. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, most people here are like, you know, not necessarily there, but he's like, most people I talk to are like PHP. What the hell? But he's like, PHP is so fast. And I was like, yeah, it is probably because it's like the vanilla language. Like it's it's one of the it's one of the the originals you know like it's one of the vanilla languages of course it's really fast it doesn't have all this crap built on top of it but like people are legitimately being like uh, you know like 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 php isn't cool anymore it's like that cool factor like it you know it's no longer the thing like once the ser- once the xbox series x comes out microsoft stops talking about the xbox one you know maybe it doesn't stop but it like it lessens right same with samsung it's like mm-hmm. buy this brand new note but when the note comes but the next note comes out tomorrow we're done with this note <laughs> like you know it's just immediately like we don't care about this crap anymore it's just sort of that like quickly moving mentality and with web dev because it takes years to learn stuff it's just it's crazy it's just sort of like oh just learn vjs and there it goes like so then you become, there's like this weird culture of like nobody being experienced because everyone wants to go on to the latest thing. And then no one's experienced more than like two years with something, you know, it, it just, it, and you have all these other problems of like testing on all these devices. It's, it's crazy. Um, not to stick around with that, but like the next point is it's too difficult or it's difficult sometimes just to Google stuff. So for example, if you didn't know the term continuous integration or CI, I mentioned this before, then it's, you know, it's difficult to find out information on it just by googling something like the generic way to say it so like how to put your website live because you're going to find like a thousand methods people are going to be talking about php sites people are going to be talking about sites that they made in dream dreamweaver people are going to be talking about every dang thing that they've used and there's going to be guides on all of it but you don't have the specifics but you haven't been told the specifics either. So like by you Googling continuous integration, you could probably learn a whole bunch, but you don't know that term yet. So now you have to like sift through all this crap, hopefully find that term, land on the right, you know, land on the right thing, hopefully find that term, think that that's what you have to Google, then Google it. And then this is where kind of Googling as a skill comes in. But with web development, it's not as simple as being like, like, uh, what's something that's like really cut and dry. Like, how do I dry something? Like, use a paper towel to, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, it's super simple. There's like a bunch of different ways, but it's always like pick up a cloth like thing and then use this to pick up the spill, you know, pick up a sham wow or something like that. But like, it's never like, 
go to space quickly and you know that's how crazy web development it can web development can get it gets to the point where it's like well what you need to do is you need to get the mac you need to build this thing out you got to have a vm then what you got to do is you got to have cloud stuff now get your github you got your github get your facebook now you're probably an influencer it's like well hang on a minute i'm trying to update this user (laughs) like like hang on a minute here you know that's why, okay, so the big thing with Googling and everyone like having that, oh, all web developer does is Google uh, when they get into it. Um, knowing how to Google is it's a skill. very important. It's a skill. And I've had many conversations with some of the people that uh, that I've been training and some of the people that um, the uh, part of my team, they're like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Like I just Googled and I found the answer and I just, I, I just solved it. And I'm like, did you solve the problem? Yeah then you're doing it right. Like, do you think I just know exactly how to solve every problem and I don't Google? Like, that's you ridiculous. You you don't, that's Mike? Ridiculous well, well, hang on a minute here. Hang yeah. on a minute here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. An, an imposter it, has it. entered yeah. the chat. Yeah. I'm literally an imposter. No, I Google all the time. All the freaking time. Yes, there's some things that now I've done so many times that I don't have to Google. True. But even those things, sometimes I'm like, mm, you know what? I'm going to Google it again just to make sure that I, I put it the right way the first time. I do that, and that's totally normal. If you know how to fo- solve a problem through Google, you are you're on the right track. I'm sorry, like that that is just right. So that's why it is difficult to Google because there are so many different technologies, so many different ways, and sometimes Google will not solve the problem for you. That's the difficult part, and that's where you need to know how to read documentation. So if you're using again, we, we've mentioned this before, if you're using a third party library. And, you know, it's not a very highly used library. A lot of the time, if you're running into a weird issue, you're not going to be able to find the, the, the problem. So you're going to have to A, use documentation or B, know how to use the GitHub issues, follow their templates, wait for the response, like go through the process of, you know, communicating with the developer of the thing that you're using to be able to get an answer. That's the difficult part too. And that makes, you know, web development a little bit more complicated as well. So Again, knowing how to Google things, Googling is difficult. Those are all things that like put into the complexity of web development and the fact that you shouldn't feel like an imposter if you're Googling every little thing. Yes, it's it's very much like like mechanics will refer to the manual. They don't know exactly how your air filter fit on this specific like Honda. There's like a thousand different types of cars and God knows how many years that they support and everything else. They don't know exactly what the heck's going on. They like have to refer to the manual or they refer to the parts guy or they, or they call the, they are they what? Or they, Google. Oh, they said, or they, they go home. Google. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to put or this air filter yeah. on. I'm getting yeah. the hell out of here. Yeah. I quit. I quit. I quit for air filters. Like, no, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, like everyone looks stuff up all the time. And, you know, this 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 whole like Googling conversation always brings me back to Elon Musk, actually. So Elon Musk has something and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he had this thing where he said, like, you know, the computer or the the smartphone in your pocket is basically an extension of us. Like we're already like uh, what what do they call those cyborgs or whatever? Like we're already yeah, like because this sorry. thing is like a piece of us. And the only thing that's 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 wrong with it is that. The bandwidth is slow because you're typing on it with like your physical fingers and it's not like attached to your brain. So you're not, you have to like think out how to type and then you type it out on it. Like, so there's like that whole, like looking at it, using opening the apps and all that slow bandwidth. But if it was just like in your eye and you could just like see this HUD and you quickly could just send a message, you could, right? And this always comes down to that where it's like people who are against phones, like, I don't know about you, Mike, but like when I was in school, 
elementary school through high school, like we we started getting computers in like grade three, if I remember remember correctly, grade two, grade two, we got a computer, and then like they they would like. And, like, computers were around, to be fair. It was just, like, a computer in each class. Like, they was just sort of, like, the IT spreading it out. There was a computer lab. Um, but it was, like, you know, we had a computer there that we were allowed to use. We were young kids, so they're trying to, like, teach us, the, like, the basics of it and whatever else. And then it's just sort of like this, like, it's just sort of like this, um, there's, like, this negative stigma where, like, they would always be, like, well, go mm-hmm. go to the library and, like, read a book in order to get your gear sources. Like, don't use the internet. That's stupid. That's easy. And, like, I've always thought to myself, like, are we trying to, like, why do we have cars? Like, it was kind of easy to get to school. Like, why don't we have, like, why don't we wait for a blizzard and then get the horse and buggy out? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what do you, what do you mean this is too easy? And it's like, oh, this, the, it, like, it's, it's, it's the dumb way to do it. It's the easy way to do it. It's the whatever excuses teachers would give us over the years. It's like, well, you're, you're going to have to know how to search in books. Am I? Am I going to have to learn how to search in books? Because I can't control F, a book. You know? And and that is what was happening. And Elon Musk is 100% right. If you could message your friend instantly, like, just you just want to check in on your friend. You just want to check in on a friend really, really quick. And you want, you can do it with your brain. Then why, you, you would do it. But because you picked up a cell phone, people were like, oh, he's not paying attention. Like, there's like that negative connotation, right? He's not paying attention to the situation. He's not paying attention to the people near him. What is he doing? Why does he have that phone out? What the heck is he doing? You don't know what I'm doing. I could be doing my damn taxes. Like, leave me alone. There's still that negative connotation with the phone. But it's like, there's no negative connotation against cars. But I bet, I I would I would guess, because I was not around, but I would guess that when cars came out, all the horse guys would be like, cars are for fools. Putting on my cowboy voice. <laughs> cars are for fools and city folk. We ride horses 100%. out here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that kind of sums up the what's wrong with web development. Um, unfortunately, I'm kind of out of time, uh, so we might have to just postpone the web news till next I, week. I think that's Again, a good idea. Week. Yeah, we had enough conversation. Yeah, we had like <laughs> exactly. We had a good web news kind of in the at the beginning. So, but next week again, we're going to be talking about what's right with web development. So stay tuned for that as well as the web news. Correct. So I'll run the old conclusion here then. So uh, remember, we're on that Patreon. If you want to support the show, that's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript on youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript, Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design on localpathcomputing.com, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Chris from Selfmade Web Designer on selfmadewebdesigner.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on The Web Hacker. Hacker.com, DL Ford from DLFord.io, and Bib Hashdash from Nine Block Media via NineBlockMedia.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on, and I will let this outro sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All the Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.